You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChapaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Next up on Destination Freedom. Let's get back to this hair. Now, I done seen the best of them with a conk. Good black men. Let's see, uh, Louis Johnson, Count Basie, Cab Calloway, Nat King Cole. My daddy says it's just another example of the black man trying to be white. He calls it utter foolishness. Uh, again, I said your daddy is a plum fool. Ain't. Not a soul as clean as a Negro with a conk. No white man, no born, buzz-cut Negro. You best stop listening to what your daddy say. That there horn is not for little boys with daddies in their ear. Say no more. Conk for show. Wait. Uh, Do you think getting my hair conked will make me lose my identity? I don't know about all that. But you about to be cleaner than a bill of health after I'm done. Welcome to Destination Freedom Black Radio Days podcast, a copyrighted program of No Credits Production, LLC. I'm producer-director Donnie L. Betts. Racial biases spark a fuse when a 17-year-old black student starts his first day at a new high school, named after the KKK Grand Wizard. The student finds himself in unsolicited trouble and is confronted by a black male principal. The principal begins to lecture the student and believes he is teaching the student a lesson but instead receives a lesson from the student. The lesson. The conk. <laughs> black hair history is provided with a short excerpt about the conk, hairstyle worn by black men in the 1940s and early 50s. A young black musician walks into a barbershop inquiring about the conk hairstyle, or a style that's going to make him look clean for his music debut. A barber and his friend greet him with a regular barbershop banter, knowledge and education about the craze of the conk hairstyle for black men and the mindset that comes along with it. The lesson, the conk, on Destination Freedom, Black Radio Days, next. And now, Destination Freedom. Destination Freedom. Oh, freedom. Oh, freedom, oh, freedom over me. And before I be a slave, 
grave I'll be buried in my grave And go home to my Lord And be free The Lesson by Kenya Fashow Cast of Characters Duhunti, Young Black Male Ms. Wilson, White Woman Principal Shoei, a black male. The year is 2013. A year before the name change of Nathan B. Forrest High School, named after the first Grand Wizard of the KKK. Tohunti Brown, an 11th grader after school, leans against the wall in the hallway, waiting to speak with the school counselor. He's just transferred from his old school, Marcus Garvey High. He's dressed in a black hoodie, sagging jeans, a baseball cap, and a backpack. He bops his head and lip syncs to Drake's song, Started from the Bottom. Hey, Grandma. First day of Nathan B. Forrest High was whack. I'm like one out of five black boys here who don't play on the basketball team. It's not like Garvey High at all. I'm staying after to talk to the counselor today. I don't really trust counselors, but I guess I have to since Ma wants me to sort out my feelings about what happened to... Uh, the Tariq. I'll call you as soon as I get out, Grandma. Love you. Tahuti goes back to bobbing his head to the music and listen to the raps in his song. Miss Wilson, the school counselor, sees Tahuti bobbing his head and comes charging toward him. Excuse me, young man. The bell has rung and school is over. Hello? It's time for you to go home. I said, excuse me. She rips the headphones out of his ears. Hey, yo, what the hell? What did you do that for? You clearly heard me telling you that the bell has rung and school is over. Oh, my bad. My music was playing. I'm sick and tired of you people loitering and causing trouble after school. All you do is drink, smoke, and listen to your gangster rap. I'm just sick of it. You people. Uh, look, miss, I'm not loitering. I was just waiting on the... Save it for someone who cares. If anyone does. What? Are you even a student here? Let me see your student ID. Miss, I just transferred today. I haven't received my school ID yet. Sure you haven't. You looking for some of that, uh, smoke? Selling or buying? What the hell are you... I'm not... I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not selling or buying anything, lady. You're being real extra, for real. You thugs need to stop posing as students and hanging out here, Okay. Just by the way you're dressed, I can tell you belong to some kind of street gang. Now leave. As Wilson begins to push the hunty forcefully out the door. Don't touch me. Get off me. Get your hands off of me. The hunty tries to break free, jerks his arm away, and Ms. Wilson is slightly pushed back. Oh, you pushed me. You tried to knock me down. No, no, I didn't. Ms. Wilson sticks her hand in his face and pulls out a walkie-talkie. Security! Security! I'm being attacked by some hoodlum posing as a student. What? I'm not a hoodlum, and, and I didn't attack you. I need backup. 
Tell Principal Shoei to get here now, now! You're crazy. I didn't attack you. You put your hands on me first. You wouldn't listen. Stay back. If security and Principal Shoei can't handle you, I know the police sure as hell will, and I'll call them in a heartbeat. Th th that's all y'all ever do, and then they kill us! Principal Shoei runs in and manages to get between to Hunty and Ms. Wilson. He takes the Hunty by his shirt and hems him up against the locker. What the hell is going on here? Who told you it was a good idea to attack my staff, young man? Let me go! This white lady's lying on me! She put her hands on me first and said she was gonna call the police. They did the same thing to my big brother, yo! Let me go, man! I hate this school! Calm down, young man. You're the transfer student, right? In my office. Young man, do you hear me talking to you in my office now? I'm so glad you came in time. He got so angry. I thought it would be a good idea, you know, to call the police in case he became more violent. Some of these thugs just hang around here for fun, just looking for trouble. Oh, Miss Wilson, I will have you to know that he is a transfer student from Marcus Garvey High and not a thug. As the school's counselor, it amazes me how you can hold such biases. Did he physically attack you? Yes, he pushed me. Didn't you see him hovering over me like he wanted another piece of me? <laughs> But he said you put your hands on him first. All I did was ask him to leave the halls, Principal Shoei. You know how these th- Miss Wilson, if you haven't figured it out, your actions and words are what push students to a thug mentality and straight into prisons. You know as educators we have dedicated ourselves to critical race theories and culturally responsive pedagogy. It's important we are aware of our own biases, Miss Wilson. I'll send you a calendar invite to discuss this further. Have a good day. I'll take it from here. But I... Have a good day, Miss Wilson. Whoa! You need to chill out and calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. I'm sick of them. They don't know me. I swear, they don't know me. Tahuti Brown, 11th grade transfer from Marcus Garvey High. Whatever you're reading still can't tell you nothing about me. Unless you do your research. But I always do my research, Mr. Brown. Especially when a student of color walks through these doors. So tell me, what was that all about? Ask her. She's the one pressing me. She's just very assumptive. I heard you mention something about your big brother. Did that have something to do with it? Nah. You didn't hear me say nothing. Mr. Brown... Here at Forest High, we strive to be the best academically, as well as pride ourselves on the moral behaviors of our students and staff. Flipping chairs over, punching lockers, not going to be tolerated. There are very few students and staff of color here, so you have to go above and beyond to prove you are a good fit. Good fit? I didn't ask to come here, and I didn't do anything wrong. This school is named after a KKK grand wizard, and there are literally five black students here. So please, don't talk to me about this school's moral behaviors. They thought hiring some old uppity nigga would pacify it, I guess. Boy, you bet... <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Brown. Black students who come from the hood, like yourself, fail to realize how important it is to be set on a path of success. We have to stop making excuses. I've worked hard to become black excellence, Mr. Brown. I hope you're striving for the same goal. The question we need to ask ourselves is, what does it mean to be a black man struggling against similar systems of dehumanization and oppression? And how do we overcome that? How do we, 
sing our song in a land that positions us as anti-intellectual, oversexed, violent, misogynistic, emotionally distant and cold? Why is it that we are the culture where it's corny to be smart and responsible? We as black men must fight daily to change that narrative that we are all not thugs. This is your first day at a new school and it's important to make a good first impression. Your behavior reflects poorly on all us black men on this campus, specifically me as your principal. I feel sort of an obligation to you, Mr. Brown. Well, don't. You're not my dad, all right? I have a father. What you need to do is stop preaching to me and work on doing your job and finding out why your black students are being treated like common criminals. I heard you talking to that white lady. Y'all could all use a lesson on critical race theory. Hmm. Says here you were the lead editor of your school magazine. Wow, a journalist. I can see that. You certainly seem like a very smart, talented, and outspoken young man, especially with a name like Tahuti. Did you know that your name means Egyptian god, god of earth, moon, sky, air, and sea, god of writing, speaking, and knowledge, mostly known for inventions such as the hieroglyphics, also known as the messenger? Yeah. I ain't got to act like some basic white boy to show you my intelligence. You can't tell me nothing, bruh. I can educate you, bruh. When black people display their intelligence, they are not imitating any ideal of whiteness. Intelligence is not an inherently white trait. Like I said, my black excellence is self-made, Mr. Brown. I attended Morehouse College, which is an historically black institution, and gained networks with so many brothers it helped me gain traction in my career, despite my environment. Oh, let me guess. You grew up in the hood and overcame drugs and gang violence and still made something of yourself? Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one before. No. I came from a good home. Both of my parents were and still are attorneys. We lived in the suburbs, surrounded by nothing but racist white people who called me uppity nigger quite frequently. I had to fight that environment. They expect men like us to fail, but I know we're greater. Nah, you think you're greater than me. You look at how I'm dressed and automatically think I'm some kind of lost thug you have to save in lecture. Hey, yo, I got things to do. I'm a bounce. We're not done here. You're not a thug. Mr. Brown. Tell that to the lady who said I attacked her. Your assumptions of me not being capable of conducting myself properly is the same as that white lady who's afraid of me because I'm black and listening to rap music. Your moral base and her racist biases are the real problem, not me. Touche, Mr. Brown. You're absolutely right. I appreciate you enlightening my perspectives. Sometimes I get so caught up in wanting to save my people I forget to cheer them on. So thank you. The secret of change is to focus all your energy, not on fighting the old, but building the new. Socrates. Socrates. That's one of my favorite quotes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, my brother made me memorize it. Because he says I get lost in my feelings about the past a lot. Um... He showed me my black excellence. Your brother sounds like a good man. What happened to your brother, Mr. Brown? 
I have a little brother. Well, had a little brother. He was killed 11 years ago. He was only 17. It was sort of an accident, wrong place, wrong time kind of a thing. After he was killed, I decided to go into education so I could teach young brothers other options in life. But I found myself, as you say, preaching to young black men, trying to get them to change. You're making me realize my misplaced judgment. Come on, young brother. Just tell me what happened. That's why my mom made me come to this school and, and live with my grandma. She said this school would be better for me so, so I could get my mind off my big brother, uh, Tariq. They killed my brother, man. Why did they kill my brother? I miss him so much. Who killed your brother? Uh, who killed your brother? Sunday morning breakfast. Mom needed eggs from the store. Just turned 16. Asked if I could drive my brother's whip. I preferred his Lexus over the Explorer. Golden sunshine. Blue skies. Basketball on the blacktop. My brother would get so mad at my reach because I'd always block his jump shot. I hopped in the driver's seat. Big bro rode shotgun. We listen to gospel music all day with mom, so we turned up some trap rap for fun. My ball, game point, Euro step to the hoop, bounced it off the backboard, gave myself an alley-oop. We hit the block fast, I thought I was flexing, tire marks on the curb to avoid the car from wrecking. That's game. He smiled and said that I cheated, tried to mush my head. He told me if I messed up his tires, he'd tell my girl I used to pee in the bed. <laughs> we <laughs> laughed. Blackout. The park was so full that day, so many kids at the playground. We passed the cop car on the street, my brother yelled for me to slow down. I heard ice cream trucks, kids laughing loud bass and Range Rovers. I seen flashing lights, heard sirens, voices saying pull the car over. I looked over at my brother. He screamed out to run! He told me to be cool because in the car he had a gun. Bullets flying, children crying from the hands of hood gangs on the street. The officer told us to step out of the car and ask for ID. I looked back at the court and all I could do was holler. They said my brother fit the profile of an armed bank robber. So many people shot. I tried to look for my brother in all of the mess. They searched our car, found the gun, and tried to place my brother under arrest. That's, That's when, when it happened. happened. Bloody basketballs when my brother lay. One shot to his chest from the bullet spray. My brother resisted and told the officers he was licensed to carry. They didn't give a damn because of them he looked scary. They, they killed my brother. Excuse me, Principal Showy. I don't mean to bother you again, but there's a, was a new student that was supposed to come see me today after school. Says here on his school records he's an amazing writer. We should get him to join our media blog. His name is T. Hootie Brown. Have you heard of him? Back at it like a crack addict, Mr. Black Magic, crack a beast back, chiropractic, craft magic, big daddy smoking big tally in a black alley in a black granddaddy rolling down old natty how Nappy Maddie as a black granddaddy all back, no cabin fat black, both captain 
stay floating, no flapping wave runner. I'm a gunner, I'ma have your block hot as a sauna all summer. And I put that on Osama and my motherfucking mama. I'ma terrorize the actors playing like they want some drama. I'ma chop them with a chopper till I motherfucking drop them. Drop them. Drop them. In 2014, Nathan B. Forrest High School's name was finally changed to Westside High School after 55 years. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Next up, The Conk on Destination Freedom. <laughs> Destination Freedom Black Radio Days presents The Conk, written by Kenya Fashaw. Characters, James, young black male, 19 to 20. Hart, the barber, black male. Shorty, black male, man of the world in his own mind. Hart. A young barber is going back and forth with his friend Shorty in the barber chair with a rag wrapped around his head. A young boy named James walks into the barber shop. The year is 1945, the end of World War II. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good, good. You looking to get cleaned up? Yes, sir. Hot. The magic barber is the man for you then, young blood. <clears throat> My dude already cleaner than a fresh prayer station Adams. Hot shall hook me up. You know, I'll get draped from head to toe and I only have the best taking care of the treasure on top of my head. Hey, my boy shorty no mind. I can take care of you. As much time he spends here, you think he worked here. Who you looking to impress anyway? You got you a young coal scuttle blonde? Where on the color scale is the lucky lady? I don't deal on no coal. The lighter the better and white is right. This girl here, light up the room and got all the Negroes wide-eyed and lusting. You one of those, huh? Running from your own kind. Yeah, you heard what I said. You mean to tell me I've been associating with a handkerchief head Uncle Tom ass Negro this whole time? Don't do your sisters like that, Shawty. I ain't doing them no way. Don't do me like that, Hart. Get off my back and leave me alone about them white gals. I want to see you try to get a woman before talking to me about how I treat any woman. Damn it. Sure you want to talk that jive when I got this razor in my hand? Ain't nobody scared of you, sucker. Oh, shut up and air it out, Shawty. I got to make my lettuce. 
as you command, O sucker of the razor. Hey, what you looking to get done today, young blood? Mm, I'm not sure. I'm supposed to leave here with a clean cut. My daddy wants this hair off my head, but I got a gig coming up, and I need to look the part of a musician. Uh-huh. Heart, this kid came to the right place. Kink no mo. What you play? Uh, saxophone. What you talking about, kink no mo? Young blood, let me tell you. I'm the best conk barber around never to be associated with the company Knox Kinks Crazy. That KKK foolishness ain't welcome around here. Still don't know why them Negroes named the conk company after the KKK. <laughs> but I'm the best. Go blow your horn in the cleft club and find out. I work my magic. I wash, straighten, trim, even throw a little dye in there if you'd like. Now you know. what you say your name was? Uh, I'm James Wilson. James ain't ready for that heat. So don't put him in the kitchen, baby. I remember I gave a country boy like you a cunt back in Boston not long ago. My boy Red. Ah, here we go. He always talking that mess about how he did the best conk in Harlem, but don't want to rent no chair. He just hang around my shop all day. Hard, will you stop interrupting me before I bust your chops? My hustle bigger than cutting these dirty neck Negroes' heads all day long. <clears throat> Back to what I was saying. Red, he ended up being my best friend. We've been running around Roxborough together. His hair was like a Brillo pad before I got to him. I let his hair grow out, and after some weeks of growing, I sent him to the store for some Congolese dream recipe. Now, my little mix ain't got nothing on hearts, but what I used was some potatoes, that red devil dye, eggs, Vaseline, a bar of soap, hair combs, a water hose sprayer, rubber apron, and gloves. That's all I needed to get to work. What's all that for? Are we going back to war with the Japs or something? It's the beginning of the new you, the better you. Catch my drift? Cooler than the other side of the pillow. Fly than a bald eagle. More style than any white man walking around Manhattan. This hair, young blood, is shiny, slick, pack. Mm-hmm. That's freshly trimmed style that catches all the women's eyes. Yes, it do. Congolese right here. Huh. Also known as Kunk. Make a woman fall in love with you and have you screaming your name. Then she gonna wanna rub her fingers through your hair. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Enough of all that what he talking about. I use my own special mix of potatoes, eggs, and lye to lay you down and straighten you out just right. I don't know what Red was thinking about, letting Shorty style him up. Red, lucky he not running around here bald like Jack Johnson. Scout burning and all fooling around with this jig. Get up off of me. I did right by Red. Oh, enough of what you talking. Oh, shut up, fool. Young man, your hair long enough. What you say? You ready to get conked out? My pops talk real bad about having one. I don't know. He say everyone suffers from an inferiority complex and things looking like that don't make you no better. He told me black men who conk lost touch with themselves. Your father ain't the one sitting here right now, neither. He ain't nothing but a conk busting, beating his gums. Uh, watch your mouth about my daddy, brother. Now, now you two settle down. We ain't got no space for that up in here. Nah, he don't know a damn thing about style. Your daddy, 
don't understand the total package. From conks to zoot suits and so every inch is important. Especially if you plan on being seen blowing that horn anywhere around here. The talent has to match the look. You catch what I'm throwing? Yeah, I get it. All my dad wants is for me to focus on is getting in one of those black colleges so I can get a good job. All I want to do is play my horn. You look like you about, what, 19, 20? About time you start living your own life. Yeah, not living your boring-ass daddy's life. I'm not going to tell you again to watch your mouth talking about my daddy, old man. What you plan on doing about it? You scared of your daddy? What do you think I'm going to do to you? I'm the one you need to be scared of. Ah, Come on. Sit down, James. Play this fool shorty no mind. Let's get back to this hair. Now, I done seen the best of them with a conk. Good black men. Let's see, uh, Lewis Johnson, Count Basie, Cab Calloway, Nat King Cole. My daddy says it's just another example of the black man trying to be white. He calls it utter foolishness. Uh, again, I said your daddy is a plum fool. Ain't not a soul as clean as a Negro with a conk. No white man, no boring, buzz-cut Negro. You best stop listening to what your daddy say. That there horn is not for little boys with daddies in their ear. Say no more. Conk for show. Wait. Uh, do you think getting my hair conked will make me lose my identity? I don't know about all that. But you about to be cleaner than a bill of health after I'm done. Don't you want to prove your daddy wrong by going to some nigga college and become a big-time horn player? I do want more gigs. I play real good. Most people like it. Well, let's get you more gigs, young blood. While you're at it, make sure you throw in some of them white gals, too. Hart takes his lie brush and starts to apply it in his hair. The lie begins to burn instantly. James makes groaning noises, begins to grip the chair, and is noticeably starting to feel the pain. <laughs> come on, come on now, you can take it, younger. You're almost there. That conk gonna be right for you, I swear. Just a little longer. Then we wash it out. Hart starts to comb through the chemical-filled hair. James is looking more and more uncomfortable. <laughs> it really hurts. I, I need to wash this mess out now. Is my hair falling out? Tell me something. Y'all lied to me. My head is on fire. <laughs> Hard tell this boy he be all right so he can shut up. Uh, he's right for change. I've been doing this for a long time, so you in careful hands. All right. I'm all done. Let's head over to the sink and wash it out. Proceeds to wash it in style. Hart swings James around in the barber chair with his fresh, straightened conk. Ooh-wee! Shiny, slick back like a brand new Cadillac. You play that saxophone full-time and you got yourself a day job. I work over at the hotel as a bellhop. Them white folks be looking at me sideways all the time. Probably cause your head was looking like it did. <laughs> Kiss my ass. My supervisor said I needed to do something about it. Since I got my first gig coming up in Mitten's Playhouse, I figured I'd get right up in here so I can look right up there. I hear a lot of names drive up there. I give this same style to half the musicians in Harlem, young blood. I told you that you was in good hands. James slowly gets up and begins to check himself out in the mirror. Amazement. Oh, 
Lee smokes. Uh, look at my head. I look so, so different. Magic, my brother. That'll be 30 cents. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. He ain't gonna know what to do with himself. James reaches into his pocket and pays hard. James, so mesmerized by his new look, begins to walk out with the mirror in his hand. Hold on now, superstar. You walking out with one of my mirrors. Oh, uh, my apologies. I better get going. Thank you for this. Hart hands James his saxophone case. He feels confident. Suddenly, two to three white women join in dancing while admiring his new do. He continues to play while dancing along with them. Shorty, walking by, notices. <laughs> That's my nigga! <laughs> You've just heard Destination Freedom production of The Lesson and The Conk by Kenya Fashion. The cast for The Lesson was Stevie Wise, Don Randall, and Latifah Johnson. The narrator was Donnie L. Betts. The cast for The Conk was Don Randall, Stevie Wise, and Donnie L. Betts. Your narrator was Latifah Johnson. This series is based on Richard Durham's Destination Freedom, No Credits Production LLC, and Donnie L. Bett produces it in the spirit of the original series. Sharing the stories of black, BIPOC, and indigenous people. Subscribe to our podcast at Broadway Podcast Network, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave a comment. I'm Donnie L. Betts. Thank you for listening to Destination Freedom, Black Radio Days. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So this is Donnie Betts, and thank you so much for listening to Destination Freedom Black Radio Day's production of The Lesson and The Conk. And there were some subjects that were brought up in those, in those um, audio dramas that I want to discuss a little bit farther with somebody who has much more knowledge than I do to discuss that. We're very honored to have Dr. Brenda J. Allen as our guest as she speaks about critical race theory. Thank you so much. I am honored to join you. Uh, I am a Professor Emerita uh, at the University of Colorado, Denver. My PhD is from Howard University. I retired in April 2019 as a Vice Chancellor for Diversity and Inclusion at CU Denver and the Anschutz Medical Campus, where I had a career in scholarship, teaching, service, mentorship, uh, and professional development for organizations communication, social identity, and power, especially focusing on higher education. And I'm very pleased now to be liberated to do that work on my own terms. And that includes having uh, wonderful opportunities like this to talk with you about critical race theory. 
Well, we're excited to have you speak about that. What does it mean? What is critical race theory? I'll start with just saying, you know, CRT stands for, as you've mentioned, critical race theory. And CRT is a perspective that was developed in legal studies. And this perspective asserts that racism embeds United States social institutions within its laws, policies, regulations, rules, and so forth. And because racism embeds these institutions, differential outcomes exist and persist based on one's racial identity. Examples of these social institutions are education systems, the labor market, housing, health care, and the criminal justice system, just to name some. And, of course, the ways that those in overlap and intersect with one another. So basically, critical race theory stresses the systemic nature of racism as the primary source of reproducing racial inequality through laws, policies, regulations, and so forth. And it also critiques how then that institutionalized racism, but structural racism, perpetuates a racial caste system or hierarchy in the United States. Uh, another thing to note is that CRT really, really stresses that racism, unlike what some would have us hmm, receive from them, racism is not a thing of the past. Not only does the legacy of racist practices persist, but also we are, it can and will persist, right? We will continue to have these challenges if we don't actually acknowledge and try to address them. And, and it has intergenerational implications that lots and lots of statistics can bear out. Um, CRT also up. acknowledges Sorry. that race intersects with other identities. So it's mm. not just race, but race is foremost, right? So sexuality, gender identity, social class. Moreover, it's not just about black and white people. Well, a lot of people were doing a pushback. Um, for example, I just bring up one individual that's running for office in Virginia, uh, Glenn Youngkin, uh, running for governor. He wants to uh-huh. run part of his platform. He wants to ban critical race theory. He mm-hmm. said he feels that it's um, well, you know, because that's a dog whistle uh, for a lot of people knowing that. But he said it never was taught in Virginia. Uh, you can't see what's happening in Georgia and Florida because they're talking about critical race theory. And as I said before again. It was never being taught in Virginia. Well, maybe it should have been, because that's part of the problem there. You still have a former governor who was doing, uh, when he was in college, having going to um, flat parties in blackface. So if it had been taught, maybe we would have a better understanding that all these kind of things are hurtful to uh, individuals. As you said, it's not just black and white. It's, It's gender, so on and so forth. So what do you think, why are we seeing so much pushback? from individuals like this um, person that's running for governor? Well, first of all, um, it intrigues me that people are talking about teaching critical race theory, especially when they're talking about it in K through 12. If If you really understand critical race theory, it's something that in terms of it actually being taught, actually part of a curriculum, right, as this is a perspective on race in the legal system, uh, typically, that's not until 
um, undergrad and beyond, right. and in particular areas. So it's not so much. And so, so that's one of my concerns is that the rhetoric is like, don't teach it. It's not so much about teaching CRT as it is about persons who are in within all of these institutions that I named earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Um, criminal justice system, healthcare, education, labor markets, housing, et cetera, should understand what critical race theory is contending, right? It's much more important that those persons understand these issues and that that guides their behaviors to strive to change the systems, right? To strive as it's fascinating that some of those same individuals and institutions probably have some kind of commitment to diversity and inclusion, right? And equity. And, and a way to do that effectively is to acknowledge our racist past, to understand how they embed systems, and, and also to understand, which is a myth or really a mis- another misrepresentation, critical race theory is not saying individuals are racist. It's much more about understanding how race and racism embed our systems. So I think that a key problem is that people don't seem to even really understand what critical race theory is, as well as what it strives to help us with, right? Strives to help us understand how the, how racism embeds systems. Actually, the, the um, legal scholars and lawyers and others who uh, originated critical race theory see it as, you know, if you understand it and then you begin to bring this lens onto your work, that it can also really help us to disrupt, um, to, to really look at laws in a different way and strive to create better and different laws, which we've done. You know, Brown versus the Board of Education would be an example of that. As you said, this, this, this concept is more than 40 years old now. And yes. now all of a sudden it's blowing on the scene uh, and you created by legal scholars, one of the people that I really look up to is Derek Bell, uh, Kimberly Crenshaw, uh, and Ellie. Richard Delgado, uh, mm-hmm. Richard Delgado among Delgado. others, yes. Yes, and so uh, some of it stemmed from, as you said, uh, other factors, poor financial risk and, and, and racial composition of individuals and, and, and redlining and those kind of things. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's much bigger than people trying to make it so simple. How can, exactly. How can, and, and I really... I appreciate the fact you brought up that it has nothing to do with the younger kids from five to twelve, you know, tw- of K through five, K through twelve. Sorry, K through twelve. It's really more of a academic study once you get an undergrad and grad school. So I think that's where people are really getting that misinformation and speaking about things that they are not fully educated about. How exactly you, right. What and really, say? what I would I would hope is that people who are being educated you know, who are going to become teachers, who are going to become, quite frankly, politicians, healthcare workers, et cetera, should really understand the role of race and racism, the history within their various areas of um, employment, career pathways, and so forth. Because, again, that's a way that, you know, that is the saying, those who don't know the past are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And it's not at all meant to make people feel guilty or some people feel, um, you know, ashamed of who they are. Uh, you know, that fear that white students will be uh, exposed to damaging or self-demoralizing ideas. That's not the, the goal at all. Rather, it is. I found when I was one of my roles, I've been in um, higher education here in Colorado over 30 years, retired 
in 2019 and since have been doing a lot of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion consulting work. And um, I found when I was teaching at CU Boulder that many of the white students that I was teaching and helping them to understand these issues um, and also to be empowered and to be allies, they got very upset that they never knew about any of these kinds of things, and not about critical race theory itself, right, but rather about some parts of U.S. history that um, critical race theory is associated with, which, is, again, is not saying critical race theory itself, but the, bare, the truth about racism, the truth about boarding schools for um, indigenous folks, right? Mm. The truth about a variety of laws, uh, specifically against persons from, of Asian and Asian-American descent, um, in addition to, of course, black folks um, and um, Latinx, Hispanic, et cetera, you know, how law has played a key role throughout history in terms of racism. Yes, yes. So let me ask you about <clears throat> when you see the flood of books in the last two or three years that have been yeah. published, and um, they may have a, a smidgen of critical race theory in it, or they may have a smidgen talking about racism and that sort of thing. How would you help parents? Now we're talking going back to young kids now. Yeah. How would you help parents understand this flood um, that has a lot of what you talk about, kids um, being upset that they weren't taught about these things, but how mm-hmm. can you help parents understand that what they need to do and educate yeah. themselves to have yeah. the right kind of academic backgrounds um, mm-hmm. to now uh, prepare their kids for when they go into school? They because they may not get these kind of things. You know, it depends on the school right. they go to. I mean, yeah, um, that that is just a powerful and important question, and that's an important question for all parents and families, right? Anyone with the sacred responsibility of helping our young, you know, prepare our young folks to be certain kinds of adults uh, and human beings, period. So I think it's, it's as is the case for probably any other topic that matters, right? You think, I think for instance, for some reason about sex education, right? You would want your, those you have that sacred responsibility for helping to become human, you know, adult human beings, you would want to have a sense that whatever you're consulting is um, legitimate, is valid, right, is thoughtful, is inclusive, et cetera. So I think a key challenge is, as you're, as you're stating, the proliferation of materials. It's hard to know, okay, what should I be, what should he, how should I even be trying to grow and learn. I was just uh, with a healthcare professional um, and that person who found out, you know, what I do said, oh my gosh, I'm really looking, a white person um, said, I really want to do something in terms of racial justice, but I don't know where to begin, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's very important to strive to identify sources and um, resources that have been curated by um, whatever kind of criteria one would use to say this is a legitimate, valid source. I think it's always important if one has the time and the resources to go to the original sources, right? So you mentioned some of the earlier legal scholars specifically about CRT. But again, I'm I'm not so much saying that people need to, to fully learn and understand CRT as much as the notion of racism, you know, what it's primarily saying. So there's no easy answer except to do the due diligence um, to 
try to find trusted resources based on persons whom, and this is tricky too, right? Persons whom you trust, they may not (laughs) know. And that, that to me is like the crux of all of this is that I'm seeing in so much rhetoric, seeing in so much of ways that people are pushing back on a variety of issues that people aren't using critical thinking, that people aren't, you know, when I see, hear people say things, I was at uh, a certain meeting the other day with some um, candidates who were asked this question about CRT, and I said, really, the question isn't, should we be teaching CRT in schools? The question is, do you understand CRT? And if you understand it, how might it be relevant, right, in terms of how you will perform your role? That's what I'd rather see. Mm -hmm. I think I drifted from your original question. No, that's okay. That's that's beautiful, (laughs) because when you talk about that, you talk about topics that should be discussed, and that's Racially segregated yes. schools, the underfunding of majority black and Latino school district, disproportionate That's exactly right. of black students, barriers to the gifted program, selective admission in the high school, and that sort of thing. Those are the kind of things that exactly need to be discussed. Exactly right. And, yeah. that, and that often is framed in structures and systems and embedded laws and so forth that themselves are racist, mm-hmm. right? They are racist. And, you know, with striving for racial equity, All we're striving for, and it's a big all, is that you can no longer predict outcomes based on race, based on gender, based on the neighborhood you live in, right, based on the school you went to. That's what equity, racial equity is seeking. And right now it doesn't exist. The numbers show that. And anyone who says those numbers are wrong or it's just about one individual or individual here or there I don't think they're really being honest with themselves and perhaps they are pushing back against fear and a variety of other kinds of emotions. But if, if for folks who really want us to achieve the phenomenal, you know, goal of, you know, liberty and justice for all in the United States, um, this, this notion of race just has to be dealt with. And the good news is back to your earlier question, there is a wealth of resources and approaches that can have, where you can have, critical conversations where you can uh, acquire strategies and techniques where you can become deep in one's commitment and understand that it's going to take time and effort, understand that if you're not feeling uncomfortable, you're probably not growing, right? Of Understanding that we're all raced. So when we talk about race, this is not just for black people or, or black indigenous and other people of color. It's for all of us and that ultimately we all can benefit and, and again, become that which this nation has asserted itself to be um, for a long time. And, and I think what I see, and thank you so much for that answer, it's beautiful, is that some teachers now are afraid that they won't be able to teach things like Trail of Tears, the Civil War, Civil That's Rights right. Movement or the Southern Freedom Movement. Um, because I think if they teach it and broach the subject, then they're going to be called racist. You know? mm-hmm. um, and I just think that's, that's, that's stifling our children one more time. You know, and not just black children, white children, indigenous. All of our children, yeah. All our children. So these curriculums have to be more open to that. So like I said, Mm -hmm. with the politicians and the policymakers, they really need to educate themselves, rather than speaking in um, uh, generic terms or anecdotal terms about something they've heard or read or something like that, or somebody has a louder voice 
uh, in in a council meeting or a louder voice in a school board meeting or bring it up. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what people, re- all they're asking is, can you just be better listeners? <laughs> you know, I think that's what I would like to tell people. Just be a better listener and then educate yeah, yourself. Yeah, definitely. Things. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, 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 right? So one thing that's, that I've I noticed is that sometimes people seem to be conflating a culturally responsive teaching, which is also CRT, right, Mm -hmm. with critical race theory. And so culturally responsive teaching, again, the good news is what we're talking about here, where we are now um, in the world and how many folks like me have been doing this kind of work and thinking about it and processing it and striving to have empathy for everybody while also trying to move everybody along, you know, in, in terms of um, thinking about things like privilege, advantage, disadvantage, oppression, etc. Um, the key thing is that there is a way to do it effectively, mm-hmm. and that um, and I, you know, I've, I would be remiss if I didn't say uh, people ought to be concerned that some of the ways that these subjects might be taught could be more harmful than beneficial if people haven't been. And here's where systems owe it to everyone within those systems, not only to hold them accountable, right? For instance, in education, holding educators and staff and everyone else, right, accountable for culturally responsive teaching or culturally affirming um, ways that you engage with communities, they also deserve to receive the best of professional development and education so they can bring those best practices into those situations so that, um, you know, and understand that all of us uh, have been socialized in ways that if we don't address these and if we don't strive to use the best practices, what we're going to do is perpetuate and deepen, right, the divide that already exists. So there's a lot at stake for everybody. Yes. And I think you, you put it um, just the way it should be uh, broached, and that is it is not easy. It's complex. It takes mm-hmm. deep diving on everybody's part. You can't have a simple answer. Everybody, you know, uh, unfortunately, out in society we live in now was a quick and easy answer to everything. Yes, right. You Three know. ways to blah, blah, blah. Right. right. I had someone contact me to say, come in and do implicit bias training for my whole staff. And I said, tell me about, you know, are you a learning organization already? Um, my approach to this work is systemic, strategic, and sustainable mm. so that, no, I'm not going to do a one and done. That's not fair to in, anybody. Yes. Yes. And I think that's what they use. Like I said, everything, everybody wants a quick fix. Mm-hmm. Well, for mm-hmm. me, this has been fantastic. It's not a quick fix. We'll have you on to talk some more about this. Uh, but it's a great companion for the two shows that people will be able to listen to. And that's uh, the lesson. It's very. It's just what it says. The lesson that we all can learn something, and the con it deals with identity. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah and, definitely. And, yeah, in the subtle ways, and, li- and you know, read between the lines, listen with a with, with discerning ears. That's why I said become better listeners mm-hmm. and engage with a sense of curiosity, yes. uh, and strive to have dialogue rather than debate. Mm. Yes. Yes, I always say discussions, conversations, because that's that's really what it's about. We have conversation. We know we have a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, or whatever. Let's have some conversation about it, and not you know you may disagree and you may agree mm-hmm. to disagree. That's fine. You know that's what we that's what we. 
can come to some kind of conclusion if we can have those disagreements and then maybe we can reach a common ground. But just don't be inflexible that you can't yes. listen to and, and be receptive to learning something you didn't know, you didn't understand. And by the way, of course, these kinds of conversations, I think, are they can be particularly powerful and productive when they are informed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dr. Brenda Allen, thank you so much for joining us on Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. It's truly an honor, and I know how busy your schedule is, so I really just appreciate the time you've taken with us. Thank you. You are very welcome, Donnie Betts. Thank you for all that you have done and continue to do. I really appreciate and value you are a treasure here in the state of Colorado and beyond. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, then. You take good care. Okay, you do the same. All right, talk to you soon. Okay, all right, bye-bye. That concludes this episode of Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. Our producer-director, Danielle Betts. Support for Destination Freedom is provided by the Bonfi Stanford Foundation, the Olympians Fund of the Denver Foundation, Arts and Society, and Karen and Johnny Klein. Destination Freedom Black Radio Days is produced by Danielle Betts. The series is remixed by Maurice Smith, a.k.a. Reese. Make sure you check us out at NoCredits.com and pick up our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Radio Public, Spotify, etc. Follow us at Twitter at Donnie Betts, hashtag NoCreditsProduction, LLC, hashtag Black Radio Days, hashtag Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.